We're here to ignite your fire by highlighting the success and innovation of other movement professionals. This is the PT on Fire podcast. PT on Fire Nation. Man, we're excited to bring you this episode. It was myself and Dr. Gorecki talking about movement principles. A lot of what we do in our job, the primary thing we do in our job, is get individuals to move better. We talk a lot about that in today's episode. And the traditional thought process that people that are physical therapists or athletic trainers or personal trainers are using our techniques. We're backing up and we're saying, okay, our techniques are based on strategies and our strategies are based on principles. So what are those principles? We're going to talk about a few of them today in this episode. Principles that we have learned through the Gray Institute, through Applied Functional Science. And again, like always, we've got a freebie today. It's going to be super excited. It's actually going to teach you a technique that's based on some principles that you may or may not know uh, in order to help you with your patients. And so in order to get that, that freebie, you have to simply either go to the website, ptofire.com, and go to the no, go to the episode and download the freebie, or you can simply text to the numbers 44222, download 15. Hope you enjoy. Coming off the Olympics, I know uh, Andrew and myself had a great time watching them and just kind of looking at how everybody is moving differently depending on your sport, watching the sprinters move, watching the gymnasts move, uh, watching the, the the swimmers move, the divers. Everybody has different movement patterns depending on their sport, depending on their task. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but I sure had fun watching them. I agree, man. And uh, this episode is going to be all about movement, and you're going to get to know me and Nick a little bit better and kind of our thought process, and I'm super excited. Yeah, I just want to start out simple, you know, asking the question, what is movement? Can you define movement? I think that's one of the big issues, actually, in our profession is that uh, if you were to take a group of 10 doctors of physical therapy and put them in a room and have somebody do a, uh, you know, get on the hands and knees and take an arm and reach out in front of them and take a leg and reach back behind them, there'd be... 10 people would come up with 10 different names for that movement. I think that's one of the big problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, yeah, then it begs the question, okay, well, where's the consistency? If we, if we don't have the, if we don't have a way to name different movements and uh, you know, if it's different between practitioners, where's the consistency? And, you know, I think the simplest definition I've heard is uh movement is a, is a conscious action and followed with subconscious reactions. Like so, it. so basically um, you know, you reach up into the cupboard for, for your coffee mug, the conscious action is your arm is going up, you're thinking about grabbing that cup. The subconscious reaction is literally every other motion that's going on in your body. And you could, you know, and watching, um, you know, watching the athletes in the Olympics, it's like, depending on the sport, you could, you could see what's, sub, what's subconscious, what's conscious, you know, what they don't have to, sprinters don't have to think about. Their, their feet, their ankles, their, their knees, you know, their hips, their, it's subconscious to them. Right? So subconscious reaction mm-hmm. due to a conscious task. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah. so then you, that begs the question, you know, when we're training and conditioning and rehabbing our, our clients and patients, you know, are we 
creating conscious tasks or conscious reactions, mm -hmm. or are we creating subconscious tasks, or I'm sorry, subconscious reactions driven by the task? Sure. You know, that to me is like really the definition of, you know, you hear the word function thrown around a lot. Well, mm -hmm. this is a functional exercise. Mm -hmm. Well, really, is it or not? I mean, that, that's that's really, if you use that, that statement you just said as one of the principles, you know, if the person's having to think about what they're doing, Mm -hmm. And they're they're being conscious of the movement, then it's probably not truly going to be functional because functional is dictated by the task. Right, right. You know, and let's uh, so let's let's give an example of that. What would so what would it be like if we were trying to make something a muscle action that's usually subconscious? What would it look like, say, in the in the calf muscle or the gastroc? What would it look like if we were trying to make that conscious? Conscious, right? So actually, I just saw a video on the one of the Facebook pages last night. And I made a comment, and it was a it was a physical therapy uh, company posting on, you know, the doctor, a physical therapy student page. I'm sure it was that, you know advertising how how great their rehab facility is, and I give them credit for putting the video online and just being engaging. But I see this soleus exercise, and it's like it says phase one of soleus rehab, and it's got a guy standing on uh, two feet going into plantar flexion. And so mm -hmm. in that case, you're you're telling the soleus to plantar flex and with two feet on the ground. And that to me is now you're consciously telling that soleus to plantar flex, mm -hmm. right? Right. That's perfect. And then you think about when we walk, when we run, when we're playing with grandkids, playing catch, never ever does the soleus plantar, plantar flex the ankle right. at all. It never, it never does. And I think we could all, we could all agree on that concentrically when you're on the table or when you're off the ground, yes, the soleus and the gastroc plantar flex the ankle, but when you're, when you're upright moving, it just doesn't happen. And, and we, a couple of years ago up in Traverse city here, um, we, we kept getting athletes that had navicular fractures from the same, same program. And what we were finding is that they were heavily loading, uh, plantar flexion based exercises and, you know, standing calf raises and seated, you know, the raises for more of the soleus when you're sitting down plantar flexing. And, you know, am I saying that that directly linked with the navicular fractures? I, I don't know, but biomechanically, we do know that they were limiting themselves in dorsiflexion. They were limiting the amount of shock absorption, their subtalar joint, their, their ankle joint were getting during running because of that lack of dorsiflexion. So, could it have been a, a link, uh, possibly? Well, totally. I think when you have like six of them on one football team, yeah, same here. Like, yeah, healthy eighteen-year-old boys. You know, it's like, yeah. And we're talking. I mean, these are not to name names, but we. Well, I can think one of the guys is pretty high high end who now plays at a high level. He's mm -hmm. you know he's in the college level and he's going to probably be going to the pro level here. And his family is known for that. And you know, there's multiple generations of you know of, of football players there that. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's it's an issue there. And I think when you look at when you look at that idea that you know I've got a textbook that tells me what this muscle does. So what does a textbook say that the soleus does? It, it plantar flexes and it inverts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and maybe uh, maybe it also adducts if that's what they're going to talk about in three planes. Probably not. You're probably going to say it just plantar flexes and inverts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but you think about it when you're on your feet. When is there ever a time that you plantar flex and invert? Right. Like you just don't do it on your feet. And now you might think, oh, well, right, right when the heels, you know, right when the heels striking the ground and you're going to get some plantar flexion, right? But the deal there, though, is that there's this little thing called gravity, right? So 
it, when my foot, my heel hits the ground and I go into plantar flexion for that brief moment before my foot hits the ground fully, that's a motion that was given for free. There's no muscle that forces that to happen. In fact, we know, we, most PTs know that, uh, uh, the, that's a, the anterior tibialis is going to decelerate that plantar flexion. And so if you're decelerating a movement, that means that gravity gave it to you for free. So again, you can check that off the list. Mm-hmm. The soleus just doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what does the soleus do? It's just to kind of like flip the switch for a second. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's huge what you just said, you know, and we could easily breeze past it. But when you say that the, the motion is given for free, like that, that's huge because I mean, you, that's like a mind, mind blowing moment. I know it was for me uh, when I first started thinking about motions given for free because now you don't need to tell the muscle to do that. It's gravity and ground reaction force is making it happen. And you can even say all the way up the chain, the soleus, the gastroc, the anterior tip, the quad, any muscle in the body, you can make a case for it, it lengthens um, due to gravity given for free. And, uh, you know, so that's that's crazy to think about because we didn't learn that really in PT school. Not at all. I think that's the subconscious reaction too. Yeah. Like you're always subconsciously reacting to gravity. Yeah. Right? Like that's the thing. You're not thinking about the fact that you're, you know, that your quads are subconsciously always decelerating knee flexion. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though the textbook says the quads knee extend, mm-hmm. they're constantly decelerating knee flexion mm-hmm. because gravity is pulling you towards the ground. You're not having to think about that. You yeah. stand up and things go well. Yeah. So yeah. so really what we're doing here is we're trying to talk to you guys about princ- like principles, right? And so we, we named a principle that said, you know, um, uh, movement is, uh, you know, a subconscious reaction based on a conscious task Mm -hmm. that's one principle the second principle we're talking about here is gravity like gravity is a principle you cannot deny right and and i think if you think about it from a bigger perspective like in the movement world a lot of people just are looking at techniques right like i can go on youtube and find techniques on how to strengthen the soleus if we're going to continue talking about the soleus um and really that's kind of like that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because really what we should be thinking about is what is this person trying to do? What's their task? Right. Are they a runner? Are they a walker? Are they a jumper? Right. Um, what's their environment? And then let that drive the technique. Right. So, but, but, it, but in between the task and the technique should be the principles of what's true to be known. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then the strategies that lead you to the technique. And I think that's kind of how our thought process is here that we've uh, learned from a lot of different sources, but mainly the Gray Institute. You know, this is a pl- we're talking applied functional science on how you can, you know, when we've you've obviously seen our bias here with the multiple episodes with Doug Gray and Gary Gray and other people that have gone through the Gray Institute and the fellowship in applied functional science. So that's really what we're doing here is we're talking about principles. Yeah, you know, and, and going going off what you said with the with the Gray Institute going through the the gift program, it's. You get you ask a question and you get the answer a lot. You know it, it depends, right? And when you know, I, I really like getting on the DPT student page and looking at you know people that are putting their patient problems on there and um, asking what kind of asking input. And I love seeing all the fire people have for biomechanics. Like there's definitely a love for biomechanics. I think among just PTs and students in general. And, but the thing that I always want to ask is what is the task? Like you said, what's the task that they want to get back to? Like your patient has Achilles tendonitis and you can't seem to, to overcome that. Well, 
what do they want to do? Because that should completely drive how we guide their treatment. Are they a golfer where you're going to look at their thoracic spine more and see if their thoracic spine is, is uh, you know, affecting things down the chain? Are, do they want to just be able to walk where you're going to be looking at more of a bottom, you know, how the foot and ankles move and how the hips are moving because it's driven from the ground up. And, and so, you know, we could go, go way into detail of that, but it just, like you said, I mean, it depends. And the bottom line is function just means that you're allowing the task that they want to do to drive your treatment. You're not memorizing techniques. You're just simply taking a step back and saying, oh, you want to be able to throw the ball with your kid better. Okay, well, I'm going to watch you throw the ball and think in my head what everything from the ankle, big toe, ankle has to do up to the arm, up to the shoulder. And and that's really that's really what function is. Right, and it's really complex. And I think when you look at going back to the soleus, you look at the textbook description of what the soleus does, you go way back to when Netter was doing the anatomy and they were doing cadaver research 55, 60, 70 years ago. And what they were doing is they were taking the attachment points, the origin and insertion, they were just shortening the muscle. They were then recording what happens to this dead body. Mm -hmm. That's how they came up with all these date, all the descriptors of what the muscles do, which is great at the time, but we've stopped at that point. Mm -hmm. We stopped. The textbook stopped at that point. And and it's, I think it's important in order to be able to talk about what Nick just said, which is identifying the task and then figuring out how that leads you to the right treatment. You first need to go back and, and be humble enough to say, like, do I really know what that muscle does? Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, right. so, and even that, like, that conversation becomes complex because, like, well, what does the soleus do? Mm -hmm. The problem with that is, is that you have to have context to what, it, what part of the body you're talking about. So let's just give two examples. Let's talk about the ankle joint mm -hmm. or the talocrural joint or the, that, or, you know, let's talk about that. And then let's talk about the knee. Okay. So what does the soleus do to the ankle joint? Decelerates dorsiflexion, right? When that, when that foot hits the ground, the, the soleus as a tibia is driving forward over the fixed ankle, it's, it's, you can just picture it. It's grabbing onto the back of the soleus or back of the tibia, lower leg slowing it down so that's decelerating dorsiflexion okay so right. then let, let's hit another principle is that all muscles and all joints function in three planes of motion mm -hmm. because we're moving in three planes of motion so that's the sagittal plane what's it doing in the frontal plane mm -hmm. well then you think about what where the foot hits so that's my thought process when you when the foot hits the ground calcaneus hits on the lateral aspect ground reaction force is going to force it to go into eversion so then that second plane of motion, it's going to decelerate that eversion component. And just, again, that's given for free. That doesn't happen because that muscle is concentrically contracting. That muscle is lengthening. Proprioceptors are activated. That muscle is decelerating that motion. Now, that's another principle you just hit on, uh -huh. which is muscles are activated or actually, muscles are activated by motion. Motion triggers the proprioceptor. Mm -hmm. The proprioceptor goes all the way up to the brain and sometimes it just goes right to the spinal cord, mm -hmm. comes right back down to the muscle, and then activates the muscle. Mm -hmm. So motion, proprioceptor, muscle. Yes. Yeah. So then what's the third plane of motion that the soleus is going to do with, so then, when the foot hits the ground? Gary, uh, I like, Gary calls it the torque converter, right? The, the talus and the, the, the ankle, it, it translates this eversion 
because of how the tibia goes down and in, it slides down. You can look at the orientation of the talus and the calcaneus, and it, it literally slides down and in as we go through that dorsiflexion eversion. So that makes the tibia internally rotate. And so as, as we're going through that dorsiflexion eversion, internal rotation, the soleus is decelerating each of those motions at, at the ankle. Right. And so now you could go to the next level and say, well, what are we, if you just ask what the soleus does, you just talked about the ankle, but what does the soleus do to the knee? Mm -hmm. And this is where I think when I heard this for the first time way back, I don't even know when that was, 2008, in a chain reaction in Chicago, and Gary talks about, well, the soleus decelerates or creates is another way to say it. It actually creates knee extension. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Knee extension is the terminal knee extensors. I put all my knee replacement people in terminal knee extension. So I've got the popliteus, I've got, and then of course I've got, you know, the, the quads are what's going to be the thing that causes knee extension, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about gait, let's talk about that. So, yeah. so, so how does the soleus decelerate or create knee extension? Well, think, so get a picture. We have an awesome picture in our clinic. I just, I love this picture. It's a picture of a, of a skeleton foot that's it's walking on the beach and so the foot's hitting the ground and there's like there's like a hundred of these little guys it's this huge foot and there's a hundred of these little guys and they have this rope that they've thrown up around the leg and as that leg's going forward or the, the tibia they've thrown the rope around the tibia and it's a picture of them they're all holding on to this rope for dear life and so you can picture you get a sense of that what that rope would do if you're yanking backwards on the rope, it is going to cause that tibia to slow down. But the as the tibia is slowing down, the femur and the person is still going forward. Say the left, say we're talking about the right leg, tibia, rope is around the right tibia. That's slowing that right tibia down. The left side, you're you're uh, stepping through. So the left leg is going through, right tibia is slowing down. The that's going to cause, since your top, the femur, the hips, everything's going forward, that's going to cause that extension of the right knee. And the rope signifies the soleus. The soleus is grabbing onto the posterior aspect of the lower leg, slowing that down as your body goes forward. And so that tension of the soleus and that deceleration component, it's being lengthened. Like Andrew said, proprioceptors are facilitated with, as the muscle lengthens which then activates the muscle, it's decelerating that, which you can think in your head, just get the picture in your head. It's slowing the tibia down. Upper body, the hips, femur going forward, it's gonna cause knee extension as your body's passing over that foot. And so I can remember hearing that without a lot of knowledge of anything else, I went ahead and tried that with my knee replacement patients immediately after. And I was like, this is never gonna work, there's no way. You know, I'm used to, to doing passive range of motion and, and just really jamming on the knee and trying to get terminal knee extension. I put a TheraBand behind the knee and just force that person to drive that knee back into extension and, and get quad sets and all the stuff you know mm -hmm. from the traditional physical therapy setting, home health setting after knee replacement. And I can tell you right now that it was absolutely mind-blowing to see patients that I had been working with for weeks trying to get terminal knee extension in one or two days are in full knee extension mm -hmm. because we've activated the soleus that's been completely dormant because it hasn't been getting the proprioceptive feedback because they haven't been walking correctly. Nice, um, yeah. 
So I'll tell you what, one of the, we like to give things away to people. We're going to give away some things today uh, for listening. Um, but I'm going to say right now, it'd be really easy for us to put together an, uh, uh, an image with some descriptions on how to do this for the knee replacement patient. We call them soleus nose drivers. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and throw that in today as one of our giveaways. I like so, it. so at the end, we'll talk about how to get that. Yeah. You know, and, and so let's, basically what you're talking with your knee extent, uh, total knee patients is that you made that motion subconscious when, when we're laying them on the table, you know, and we're not saying that's never necessary. Sometimes it is, but, uh, you know, when you're laying them on a table and forcing them into that knee extension, they're consciously going to be guarding that. They're consciously thinking about it. Their body is saying, you know, what the heck are you doing to me here? When, when you have them upright, you're, you're doing the soleus nose driver that you guys get the picture of. It becomes authentic because it's subconscious. And, uh, you know, and, and you could take that same idea and say, okay, well, what if I have an athlete who sprained their ankle and we're trying to return them to sport? I see it all the time. And you're sitting, long sitting on a table. You have a TheraBand wrapped around your ankle and you're doing your ABCs. Now think about what we just talked about. Again, sometimes it's necessary. Think about the ankle sprain. Though. Why would we need the athlete to be able to evert the foot or to be able to, you know, pull that in a dorsiflexion? You know, or or plantar flex. Right. None of that happens without gravity, without being on the ground. That those motions are given for free. Right. Definitely. And I think there's there's a huge disconnect between what the body actually does in real life up on your feet versus what we do in the clinical setting. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just that that's the way we're taught. And and I can even remember going back to a professor that that I had that I asked, why don't you teach this? this applied functional science, why don't you teach this stuff? I mean, you agree that when the foot hits the ground, everything acts a little differently and there's a chain reaction that happens throughout the body. And, and he said, you know, it's hard enough for us to learn the concentric style, the traditional style of how the body functions. And I mean, that, that to me was kind of a bummer because it's like, well, I think, give credit, there's a lot of smart people that go through doctoral programs for physical therapy. And I just, you know, to me, it, it almost felt lazy because really it's like there isn't a bad you know, it's really not that people don't have the ability to learn it. It's that maybe the system is too lazy and they don't want to change what they're doing mm -hmm. because it really would be a huge paradigm shift. It's, it's like, you'd have to have it. You'd have to have a year long course on this because the stuff and we went through a year long course, mm -hmm. so you'd have to have a year long course to teach people the, the chain reaction or functional biomechanics mm -hmm. of how the body functions. And it's not happening. I mean, it's really not, mm -hmm. it's frustrating. And it, and, you know, I would definitely encourage you guys to check out, you know, check out the, the grades. I mean, I, I don't know how I would work on these patients and get the success that we've had without knowing what we're talking about right now. Right. You know, which is it gives you back to the kind of the, how we started the episode. It gives you nomenclature so you can be consistent on how you name and describe things so that you guys are all speaking the same language. It gives you a better understanding of how to create, um, you know, how to create better techniques but based on the principles of how people actually move mm -hmm. yeah and, and you know the, the question is you know should we should we have the knowledge of the whole body you know biomechanics chain reaction biomechanics like sh you know should we have that should we be able to take a golfer and know exactly what every joint in the body has to do during the backswing should we be able to take a runner and know what every joint has to be able to do and as they're running to to decrease that knee pain you know uh, 
I I don't know any PT who would say that that's not our job. We're, right. we're the movement. Who experts. else is going to do it? Yeah, I can tell you the doctors don't know it. Yeah. So we know that only 19% of primary care physicians have any musculoskeletal training. Mm -hmm. We know that research shows that if you test all the health providers in there, that physical therapists, right now, we even though we're saying there's a lot to learn, right now it's been shown that physical therapists know more than anybody about musculoskeletal, mm -hmm. including orthopedic surgeons, including chiropractors. But what I'm saying is we're still way far away from understanding it at a level that we need to understand yeah. it. And, and, and just appreciating that and recognizing it and then having open discussions because you go on, you go online, you go to some of these Facebook pages and you see people that are, they're getting, they're passionate about it, but they're, they're getting, um, you see a lot of this where it, uh, people are discouraging other people mm -hmm. and they're, they're, they're beating down their ideas and they're not having open discussions. I know we, like in episode five, when we had Gary on, Gary Gray on, he talked about that. Like our whole profession is not willing to have open discussions about how things aren't being done right. Mm -hmm. I think he was talking about the the school, the, the state license or the federal licensure exam uh, or state licensure exam and how it's just, it's 35, 40 years old and no one wants to have an open discussion about how the test isn't testing what we need to know nowadays, which right. what you're saying is we really need to be movement experts. And if you look at the APTA's vision for the next 10 years, they said that's our goal to be movement experts. Mm -hmm. Really? Like really? And they said it's probably going to take us 10 years. No, it's not. The information's out there. It's just, yeah. There needs to be an open discussion about it and, and recognizing and, and, and all your listeners out there need to be able to sit back and say, wow, I have a lot to learn. I mean, let's just say for a second, what it, the soleus again, we talked about an influence on the, the ankle and three planes of motion during gait. We just talked about one plane of motion in the knee, but you could go to the next. How does the soleus affect the suboccipitals? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, can, can anybody out there right now have a, a conversation on that level? Mm -hmm. And I would say that it's really difficult for anybody to have that conversation. Right. And, and we're not here trying to say that we know all, all this. But I can tell you we've talked about this enough where I feel confident in my ability to explain maybe how the suboccipitals are affected by the soleus and the sagittal plane. Yeah. Yeah. I know that when you look at the head moving forward and gravity is pulling the head forward. The suboccipitals are like the reins of a horse. Mm -hmm. So they're going to pull that head back and keep it over the center of gravity based mm -hmm. support, right? So, so they're going to be activated eccentrically, decelerating the head and deflection. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. So you can just put your hands on your suboccipitals and feel that when you lean forward. With your yeah. Head. Now, if I'm standing up, I know that the soleus does, the, it's going to do the same thing, right? We said it decelerates the tibia moving forward. So if my tibia and my head are moving forward, they're both working together at the same job, yeah. right? So the soleus is going to help the suboccipitals. Yeah. And so when you have somebody, and trust me, I've had people before that, that have had suboccipital muscle tension and pain and headaches. And, and yes, in our minds, we think we should just go after that painful site. Mm -hmm. But we know one of the principles is that oftentimes the site of pain is not the source of pain. So by me using my chain reaction biomechanical knowledge, I can look at the soleus, I can look at the hamstrings, I can look at the glutes, I can look at the paraspinals, mm -hmm. I can look at the, you know, uh, you know, I can look at some of the scapular muscles and I can look at everybody that does the same job as the suboccipitals and say, okay, who's not coming to the party yep. and what friends can I recruit to tweak them in so that they might be able to help take some stress off that area? Yeah. You know, and if, when, when we're saying that stuff, if, if you find yourself saying kind of completely automatically disregarding it saying oh that sounds like a voodoo or something you know you have to look yourself in the mirror and ask why that's what i find a lot 
uh, with just discussions on biomechanics. Like you said, uh, people's points are automatically disregarded, but is it fear? Is it because we've been taught uh, isolated uh, ways our whole life and all of a sudden we're, we're talking about how the, something at the ankle can affect the neck? Maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe it's because it's so different um, than anything that we've learned. But I think uh, we need to look ourselves in the mirror and, and be open to the conversation and open to how our body actually moves in function. Um, you know, I, I just think we need to we need to be we need to be open to these things and have these have this open dialogue and this conversation and not not let the the the, the how kind of goofy it sounds because it does especially when I first started talking about this stuff. It's like wait a minute, you're telling me that the muscle down at the ankle can affect the neck? Yes, it can biomechanically. It can. And it does. And every time we take a step. And I think uh, just because it's different doesn't mean that we, we don't need to fully acknowledge it. And I, I think that's that's part of the problem. You know, a lot of people act like this stuff's voodoo. This stuff is this stuff is the truth. You can't get any more true than than what we're talking about right now. It's it's movement, it's the principles of movement, how our body moves in in an upright manner. And and we need to take a step back and acknowledge it. Acknowledging the truth is where we need to start. I totally agree. And, and uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I really believe there's a lot of physical therapists, a lot of movement professionals out there that are super passionate about this stuff. And and um, as long as you create an environment where, you know, people are not um, discouraging each other and it's open dialogue and the conversations can be had and, and people can be vulnerable. And uh, I think that really is the key, right? It's mm-hmm. like, And that's really what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to we want you guys to get to know us a little bit and um, through this podcast and realize that, you know, we're not here uh, trying to, you know, uh, degrade anybody or say that we all learned the same thing everybody else has learned. And we've gone through lots of continuing education. I mean, uh, we've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on continuing education and we continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really the deal is that we're always searching for more knowledge and more principles that we can, that we can use to really ultimately, isn't it to help our patients get better and to help the people around us, um, whether it's family or friends or patients. And, and I think that's really the key to just always remember that. And if we can remember that, then these conversations are fun and, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it is a little bit of a mind bender because we really wanted to just throw that out there that, you know, the way that we think um, is different and, and it is ultimately due to the fact that we've hung out with Gary Gray a lot and, and he's got a lot of great ideas and, and um, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I think we get, we also, from what I've understood, we get trapped into the thinking that just because there hasn't been research done, it doesn't mean that it's not a truth. Um, I'm not at all trying to say research and evidence-based practice is important. Not at all. That's not what I'm getting at at all. But with, uh, you know, some of the studies they've done, um, you know, regional interdependence, it's a, that, that study's been, studies about that have been going on for quite some time. And even though there hasn't been any done on soleus affecting the neck, does that mean that it's not true? No, not at all. That's, I, you know, I just think we need to continue to, to, to be open to studying and, and looking into these things and having, like you said, having an open mind about it and uh, just keep, yeah, just keep things into perspective. So one of my favorite, uh, we'll leave with this today. One of my favorite quotes 
is from Einstein, and he says, the only thing that interferes with my learning is my education. Nice. And I think that is definitely something that resonates when, you know, when we when we try to learn things. It's like, can you just forget about everything you know for a second? And if you can do that, if you, that's actually a skill that you can apply to anything, not just biomechanics, but um, if you can if you can sit back and just listen and and, and regurgitate, I'm mean, sorry, not regurgitate, process and just think about it and, and shut off your brain for a minute, and and you don't have to accept everything that you hear, um, but that definitely helps recognizing that like what you think you know isn't always true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Who said that? Einstein. Einstein. Nice. I think he was smart. I think so. Just a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to myself and Dr. Gorecki talking about movement principles. Now you know, if you didn't before, what the soleus nose driver is. And just to give you a little sneak peek, that's what the video is. The freebie is going to be a video of us demonstrating the soleus nose driver and probably the most beneficial thing that I've used that with is promoting knee extension in people who have either had total knee replacements or people who have knee pain that you notice they aren't getting full extension so look forward to that as a freebie and again you just text to the numbers 44222 download 15 and you will see us on there demonstrating that. We, we hope you enjoyed this, listening to this episode. And next episode, episode 16, is going to be better than episode 15. We've got Aaron LeBauer, the famous Aaron LeBauer, talking about how to run a cash-based PT clinic. So look forward to episode 16. Hope that you get online, share this with your friends. We also really hope that you review us on iTunes because that's going to help other people find us on iTunes and get to know Physical Therapist on Fire. Fire up. Mm-hmm.